All right. Um, hello and welcome to the 36th episode of the Two Black Trinity Podcast. I'm your host, Chris. And I'm your host, Chris. And today we have a wonderful panel with us to discuss the Justice League uh, Snyder Cut, Zack Snyder's Justice League. Um, we have a great, uh, we have some great guests here today. So we have Robert Butler, who's Chris's brother. He has been on the show before. We have um, uh, Darth Chaco, who is a uh, TikToker. And um, we have my friend uh, Robert Napier as well, who is a big time nerd. And we're all here to discuss this movie. So um, I think, uh, Rob Butler, you kind of wanted to kick us off i think you're probably the biggest dc fan or stan here you know all the history of everything about this movie so um you can go ahead and get started and then we're just going to have a free fall discussion that's pretty fair although my younger brother chris is going to take umbrage with that being the biggest dc fan so i'm gonna throw that out there no that's fine i'll I'll let you have it you're the one that helped get me into it you know because you're old oh yes there it is there it is all right so the snyder cut or what used to be known as the Fable Snyder Cut, a film that never existed. Uh, it all started when, um, in about 2016, uh, Zack Snyder was working on the film, the uh, Justice League movie. He had a personal tragedy with his brother committing suicide. So he stepped down from the movie, and Joss Whedon was brought in to you know punch up the film, or essentially complete it, because they were about two-thirds of the way done. What ended up happening is that Joss Whedon wrote over 50 percent of the film and rewrote and reshot over two-thirds of the film to make it more like the Marvel movies. Since most people know Joss Whedon did the first two Avengers movies, so Warner Bros. brought him in so they can make some Marvel money, which the end result of the film ended up being a Frankenstein version of two competing visions, completely different tones, and nobody was happy. So this league bombed, even though it had some of the biggest heroes in the world in one movie. It completely and utterly bombed. And then so the fans started what was called Relief the Snyder Cut Movement on Twitter and on Instagram and on Facebook. They started a petition, which I signed, uh, which I can't remember how many people actually signed that petition. But then it took on a life of its own. Not only did the petitions were signed, people rented out uh, billboards in Times Square, people who claims over Comic-Con in San Diego, because a lot of people said this cut does not exist, it's not real. And then Zack Snyder on his uh, new social media platform on Bureau and said, you know what, it does exist. And he took a picture of the film canisters that uh, that he shot the film on and said the Snyder cut exists. And that's when it all blew up. That's when everybody started paying attention to it. And then, you know, more people kept saying, well, it's not real just because he edited it, it's not a finished film, which was correct. It was not a finished film. It was his rough cut of the film that didn't have um, VFX or anything like that. Um, but it was it was a rough cut of the film because a lot of films go through many variations before it hits the theater. Um, and apparently I have an echo, so I'm going to see if I can try to fix that really quickly. Yeah, and Rob, you wouldn't know anything about filmmaking. Not at all. Not, not being an internationally award-winning filmmaker, that would, I would have known nothing about films. Um, but yeah, so... Yeah, so Chris, I just want to say for the mini podcast that I signed off saying release the Snyder Cut half as a joke and then slowly became more serious, I feel fully vindicated now. 
You should. You should. No, was, <laughs> I think the whole situation was just crazy because it was like, I, this is like the first time ever that a film has been remade in this way purely because people were so upset. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, I thought the whole phenomenon was fascinating. So, of course, I watched the Snyder Cut uh, the day it came out. <clears throat> I will not say if it was on the clock or not. If any, if my employer ever listens to this, <laughs> I, I I got a question for you guys though. Um, do you think that COVID nineteen played a role yes. in the Snyder Cut? Yes, very much so. Uh, it because for the exact reason where Marvel was releasing two superhero films a year, DC was doing at least one a year. And, you know, because of COVID, a lot of people couldn't go to the movies. There wasn't a lot of superhero content. So people were starved for superhero content. So it was kind of the perfect storm of opportunity for DC and the Snyder Cut to come out on HBO Max. It definitely played a role, especially with that fever pitch that it caught, you know, when they said they were going to release it and everything like that. COVID definitely played a part in it, I would say. I'd also add in just like the the runtime of the movie itself probably is safer in a streaming service than probably you know like a live film scenario. I, I mean, they, they essentially like had their cake and ate it too because because <laughs> they're like, okay, all right, so because uh, because DC app um, failed, DC Universe uh, was was you know going the way the dodo and. They were going to be moving the stuff over to HBO Max. What's how, how do you launch all your stuff on 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 that? The cheapest and least expensive way is honestly the Snyder Cut. You know, like from a business perspective. Yeah, I would definitely second the fact that it was a perfect storm as well. Just because, like, since movie theaters got shut down and Warner Brothers just made the decision that they're just going to put all their movies in HBO Max. You know, for the time being, uh, shout out to Godzilla versus Kong. I think is that coming out next week? It's coming out pretty soon, right? Yeah, it's coming out at the end of next week or end the beginning week. of so, March. But yeah, I mean, I was I definitely agree with what you guys said. It's just like a perfect opportunity for them to latch on to. You know, and they're able to get a lot of attention from it. Um, we can get into details about the movie later and what we think is going to happen after now that people have seen this. But um, yeah, no, it was definitely a great, uh, great business decision for sure. Listening to the fans and just kind of knowing the way the internet is, I guarantee there's a boardroom full of executives that someone was like, "I'm ordering the Snyder cut," you know. So yeah and i think also uh, another thing that helped was ray fisher um his uh campaign as he put accountability over entertainment is uh, called out dc heads wb execs and joss whedon and i think that also helped prompt um more fans to get involved that fans that otherwise wouldn't have cared and then once Jason Momoa backed him up almost instantly, then Gal Gadot, um, and then Ben Affleck said, you know, release the Snyder Cut, and so many other actors and actresses that had to work on Justice League and other things with Wheaton started to back up Ray Fisher. It just helped fuel the fire of release the Snyder Cut. And then Henry Cavill was the last holdout, which they saved from the Snyder Cut to win Zack Snyder 
watched a copy or watched a did a Q&A session of Man of Steel live commentary of Man of Steel and then at the very end Henry Cavill was there to answer questions and then he said release the Snyder Cut and that's when Zack Snyder told everybody the Snyder Cut was real and HBO Max was going to you know release the film so so now that we've given the history let, let's get into it let, let's start with uh, the the bad first. Let, let, let's get that out of the way. So, uh, who who wants to ta- who wants to start us off with the bad? Um, the bad of this movie or the bad of like, the original cut of Justice League? That cut doesn't exist. We're going with the Snyder cut. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. I will. Uh, I guess I'll begin. I'm probably the least uh, least DC stand. So I mean. It, I, it was still four hours. A four-hour movie, I just don't think would work in theaters. It would only work as work in streaming. You know, it's almost like I mean, streaming has opened up the opportunity for different kinds of movies, but it was still four hours. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, just the way the storyline of the Justice League movie was written, in order to have the story told the way it needed to be, it just needed to be long, and I think that was just probably an inherent flaw in just how. They structured uh, that story. Um, as far as any other big flaws, um, Zack Snyder, I mean, he loves the slow-mo. A lot of times it's really cool. Um, sometimes it can be a little unnecessary, but I mean, it mostly worked for the tone of this film and what he was trying to do, especially because like the excessive slow-mo in the Snyder cut almost it, it it makes the original cut of justice league like worse and it it dif- the i will say that the slow mo differentiates it from the original cut i would like to make a counterpoint to your saying that it was too long uh because return of the king the original theatrical cut of that film was three and a half hours long and then they released the extended cuts in theaters and that was four and a half hours long and people sat through that too which is when one of the first reviews for this film came out they were saying that this is dc's lord of the rings that was very true because it was the same length as some of those films so i don't think it's safe to say that you know it would not have worked in films because even titanic was like three hours long but they had an intermission in between uh, the halves of that film. So they were, you know, it was like three and a half hours long or whatever, and then they had an intermission two hours in. You can go on a 10-minute bathroom break and come back, get some snacks, and be back for the start of the film. So it definitely couldn't work. It's not, it wouldn't be the first film to ever have an intermission for, you know, how the length of it. So it definitely could have worked. But and the, I would, uh, studios don't like to do long films because that means less screens or less screens. You know, if you do a four-hour film, there's only so many hours in the day, and only so many screens in the theater. So, you know, they they don't like doing a lot of movies. They want to get as many people in there as possible. So, it, it, it could work, but it may. But at the same time, you know, there's, yeah, but yeah, I just want to say that. No, that's that's actually the the point that um, that I was going to bring out. While it, it definitely could have worked, they. Um, that the studio mandated at least the the previous version not be longer for, than two hours for that specific reason. So the first one was straight up handicapped by it. But I I, I, I got to admit, I just watched Lord of the Rings for the first time recently, uh, like this this month, and. Return of the King did not feel long to me. I was shocked when I saw what time it was when we finished. Uh, I, I will say the first two and a half hours 
of this kind of Justice League, I felt it. I, I did feel the length. I felt the slow-mo. Um, I know this was originally going to be two parts. I don't think the first part would have worked on its own. Um, and I, 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 I don't know. I mean, as far as anything else negative about it, I, I got to be perfectly honest. I actually prefer the Danny Elfman score. Having the actual heroes themes play at different points, to me, was was great. Junkie XL did it. He did do a great a great job, but it meant more to me when Batman is is kind of leading the team you kind of get that batman theme and then wonder woman's theme which is already become iconic uh to play in certain parts rather than like an incessant like wailing going oh, yeah, yeah. as the <laughs> caption put it ancient lamentation music playing i was like all right that's a little pretentious um but i definitely have to agree with the slow-mo i think the only at this point the only slow-mo you really should have used was for when people are using super speed. So Wonder Woman dodging the bullets, the Flash when he's moving, especially when, you know, he's saving Iris, and Superman when he's dodging Steppenwolf. That's perfect use of slow-mo. Other places, you don't really need it, but that's Snyder's thing, so he's just going to do it. Uh, about the score, so I, I, I am a sucker for the Man of Steel score. Uh, Hans Zimmer is my second favorite composer. Um... And so while Danny Elfman did retool the original themes or the original theatrical themes for Superman and Batman, it was just kind of like, okay, this is okay, but this ain't John Williams or the, you know, I can't, Danny Elfman did do the original Batman score. I remember if I remember correctly, but it's still just like, all right, but that's the old one. That's not this one. It's just like how the animated Superman has his theme and anime Batman has his theme. You know, each one has a different theme let that breathe with the new product don't try to retool the old ones for this i would say in the movie Danny times Elfman. i noticed the score the most was when they were showing off the heroes themes like for example uh i think midway through the film when they fought steppenwolf for the first time when wonder woman engaged with steppenwolf they kind of played her theme and it kind of made the moment a little more like like if it was in a theater you'd know the crowd would be cheer in that moment because they were like, Wonder Woman's about to attack. Mm -hmm. See, and then another thing, so about the length, so I I was, um, I don't know if you saw this, Brandon, in the Discord, but I was talking at length with Pep, we were, uh, and a few others, we were talking about um, did these movies need more of a lead-in? And I was, what I was saying was that we probably should have gotten Cyborg ahead of time. And a lot of the exposition regarding the mother boxes could have been in that movie because since Cyborg is made from a mother box, he can learn that backstory as he's learning about how his new body works. And while you can just say, oh, the Amazons have one mother box and the um, uh, Atlanteans have the other, you, that's not very important to a Wonder Woman or an Aquaman story, so that's why you don't need their movies to really touch on that at all. Because even if you just show it, it's just like, okay, whatever. You know, it. I feel like it's different when you have the Infinity Stones in um, 
Marvel and the MCU versus the mother boxes here. Because even in this movie, the mother boxes are, you know, the MacGuffin of the movie, but they're overall not important to the universe because at, at this point they're done. With the MCU, it was all building to Infinity War and then, of course, Endgame. So after the mother boxes are done this movie, they're not really that important. It's about the anti-life equation. I would say, at least in this film, they kind of chose to add in uh, another item to kind of act as the Infinity Stones if they were to move forward with additional films, and that was the inclusion of, what, anti-life? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, Darkseid himself as kind of the future big bad. I loved seeing Darkseid on screen. I mean, I mean, uh, the animated Andre Brower voicing him to me is is, is poetic. But uh, I believe either of you Butler guys could could do it too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I would like to make a counterpoint to Chris saying that we needed more lead-ins for the film, and I don't agree with that. No, I'm Marvel not has we needed more. I said if we were yeah. going to get more lead, I think yeah. we only needed Cyborg, not everybody gotcha. else. Yeah, because I I don't agree with that point because I know. Marvel has conditioned people now to the point of where you have to have all these solo projects to meet up together for this one big project, which was never used to be the case for like, you know, ensemble films or team up films. Once again, going back to Lord of the Rings, we met all of them in one film. And then we continue their journey through three films. So I didn't think necessarily with how the original structure for the DCEU was, this was supposed to be a five film art for Superman mainly and just you know launching films from there so because it originally was supposed to be man of steel batman v superman justice league one justice league two and justice league three now it's going to be superman's arc throughout the whole dceu he was supposed to end it with five films that was supposed to be Zack snyder's contribution to the dc so it was going to have a definitive end unlike you know marvel which is going to go on until jesus comes back but you know <laughs> uh yeah so uh, yeah, so that's so it's it's interesting because there was a definitive end in mind for the DCEU, and that was supposed to be after Justice League three, because Justice League two was supposed to be the whole nightmare situation where Darkseid comes to Earth, conquers Earth, uh, kills Lois Lane, uh, uh, gets Superman to fall prey to the anti life equation. They conquer Earth together, and then this, the Justice League three is them getting Flash to go back in time to undo everything, and then they fight. They fight. They fight Darkseid for the last time. So there was an arc and a plan which would have expounded on these characters. So I don't necessarily believe that every major group project needs a uh, a solo tie-in as well. Because then you get certain entries that are not good, but they're just there to serve the purpose of, oh, yeah, that's the guy that shrinks or that's the guy with the hammer. So it's not – they're not necessarily good films. So And, and I do think that – the difference between DC at this point and Marvel in 2008 is that DC has been dominating the animated game, animation game uh, for decades. And so most of Gen Z, most of the millennials have grown up with either the Justice League cartoons, the Teen Titan cartoons or the DC animated universe, which are showing all these characters. So while these may be new Young takes Justice on too. them. Yeah, and in love Young Justice so much. Injustice, Young Justice, uh, DC versus Mortal Kombat, um, and so many other games that the, everybody knows who these characters are. You know, maybe the least known is Cyborg, but the least joked about, or the most joked about, is Aquaman. But 
people know these characters. Whereas before, if you asked people prior to 2008 to name some Marvel characters, the only one of the Avengers that you might get from a general audience is Captain America. Because you're going to get Spider-Man and a bunch of X-Men. And I, and I actually think that that is part of, uh, I guess, part of the point. I mean, actually, when they were shopping the characters around, they sh- they sold Spider-Man. I, I can't remember. I want to say it was like $4 million, something like that. And they're like, hey, we'll toss in everyone else for an extra, like, two. <laughs> and the executives at Sony were like, no, <laughs> who cares about any of those characters, which is absolutely true. But I think what we got is the same situation as... MTV when it first came out. MTV was going to start, you know, playing music videos and stuff like that. They approached some of the largest bands out there. Hey, you want to make music videos? We'll put it on this platform. And the biggest one said, no, no, we're not going to give away our music for free. The smaller one said, yes. So the next generation only knew of these smaller bands because that's the stuff that they're seeing. That's exactly what we saw happen with the MCU. No one, Iron Man was like a C-tier hero. It was it was Spider-Man, it was X-Men for, for the longest time as, as the front runners. But since uh I, I feel like they've they've tried to be a little bit too careful with the characters so that they didn't give us enough content. And I think that, that plays a role. I will say one thing to add on too. I don't want we don't have to go into too much of a Marvel chant tangent because it's DC Day. But um, I will say too. I think Marvel. You you guys probably agree with this. I think Marvel was able to get away with more of the changes they did to certain characters in their movie because people didn't care that much. People didn't care about yeah. Thor. People didn't care about Iron Man. So they were able to take certain liberties and certain changes with their movies because. The, the fandoms for them weren't as strong as far as like, you know, Superman and Batman are so iconic and everybody has their favorite version of Superman, favorite version of Batman. So, you know, no matter what take you kind of do in a film, someone's not going to be happy. Mm-hmm. So uh, right. I think that that puts DC, I think that put them at a disadvantage, I think, when they were building their franchise. I agree. That's very true. And almost because, everything is better than Green Lantern. Because <laughs> Batman and Superman are icons. Wonder Woman is a feminist icon. So they're, 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 their holy trinity of DC characters are known throughout pop culture. So Superman's symbol, I think one time I was ready to say that Superman's symbol is one of the most recognizable brands of all time. Above like Coca-Cola, above like Nike, the Superman symbol is a instantly recognizable symbol and like batman is one of the most popular characters in pop culture because he's been around since god is he 80 years old now or is it 75 i can't remember i think he was 1929 and superman was 1927 so yeah so decades upon decades and batman's have batman has had tv shows in the 60s he had the movies in the 80s he had the cartoon show in the 90s. Then he had a resurgence in the early 2000s with, you know, the Nolan films. So Batman has been around popular culture for all, in, a posi- in a huge way since his inception. So people know who Batman is. And people have a definitive character in mind when they think of Batman. They think Batman has a no-kill rule, even though the um, original Batman films, Batman killed a lot of people. Batman killed a 
whole lot of people in his original films. Like he blew up and a building with trilogy. like, yeah, he blew up a building with several criminals in it. He gave a clown a, a bomb and kicked him down a pit, and then he blew up, and then he was smiling gleefully in Batman Returns. So I mean, Batman has a kill count that is pretty doggone high in the movies. Um, it's just you know a lot of people don't really know that they they think of the animated Batman version as the definitive version, you know, because Kevin Conroy is so iconic in his voice that you know everybody thinks of that as a definitive version. But even when Batman first started out, Batman had guns. Batman shot people. <laughs> his first incarnation. He had a Tommy gun. <laughs> yeah, Batman was mowing down villains left and right. So this is like everybody has a definitive version of a character in DC in their mind. And same thing with Superman. Superman doesn't kill. Although Superman killed Zod, Ursula, and Nod, and Superman too, the Christopher Reeve versions, because he depowered them all and then kicked them all down, you know, a um a shaft, and then him and Lois had a good old laugh about that. Well, no, so, no, no. You know, Lois killed Ursula. She uppercutted her down to the pit. That's true. But <laughs> Superman kicked everybody else off. And so, you know, they had a good old laugh, like, you know, a good old 80s laugh. <laughs> we just killed Murder. people. Let's go. Let's go to the next scene. Uh, but yeah, so it's just, you know, they're definitive versions of people in their mind because, you know, people were upset. And it's just funny watching, you know, how 1984 came out in December and people were set, upset with Wonder Woman being too lovey-dovey or possibly, you know, raping somebody, which is a whole different conversation. We don't got to go um, there. Not today. <laughs> No, no. My my legal group chats were just going off, and I was like, "Don't ruin the, the I the, stop it." And then, so you know, she caught flag for being too lovey dovey, and then some people are upset now that you know she blew up a terrorist, and you know wasn't too kind to the terrorist. I'm just like, a lot of people forget that Diana, even though she's like a a paragon of love, she's also a warrior. Oh yeah, no, Diana kills, kills people. people. She uh, Diana. And has no hesitation. Didn't she uh, snap a Maxwell Lord's neck? Wasn't that like an yep. iconic comic moment? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I, I even remember in one comic book, it was one Justice League comic book where, you know, Diana was talking to Bruce about a rogue gallery. And Diana goes, you know the difference between me and you, Bruce? The reason why I don't have a rogue gallery is because I kill my villains, unlike you. I was like, whoa. Whoa. Okay, Wonder Woman, you little you you little hardcore for that line. I was like, that's, I mean, that's true because Diana She's doesn't have a wrong. well-known rogue gallery because she kills her enemies so you know she's not wrong it's just you know people tend to forget that aspect of her character i wonder what the general population would feel like if they played the injustice games <laughs> oh I, I love i love that that comic line though the injustice mm. comics it's oh yeah but i get i i, I do love I really, really enjoyed, uh, like on my TikTok, I made I made three videos, which was like what I liked, what I didn't like, and then like just like the comparison stuff. And so many people found the one where I said the things I didn't like, and they're like, "You just don't like change." You're like, "No, no, I like I like the movie. Like, leave me alone." I I, I will say I don't feel necessarily like this should have been our prime. DC Universe, um, or at least where we started with this modern cinematic universe, I, I think a lot of the stories lend themselves to being, um, you know, sides or extremes or, you know, like Flash, we, we have Flashpoint, right? That's not the typical Flash story. You, you set a baseline, you set the status quo, and then when this stuff happens, you're like, holy crap, this is crazy. I, I, I do 
feel like this this may not be where we should have started or at least had this as the main line i guess to use a marvel analogy it's kind of like we started with civil war but never had the avengers yeah at least that's how i feel but i don't get me wrong i i really enjoyed the film though I, I do have to make a correction. I said 27 and 29 for Superman and Batman, respectively. No, it was June 1938 for Superman and March 1939 for Batman. I got my decades wrong. Look at you fact-checking. So, Thank you for not being fake news. Right. We appreciate you. So one thing, uh, I guess, one, so one thing I want to get into, because uh, we've been going for a little while, is... um. So what's interesting is that every you guys have, except Robert uh, Napier, you guys all saw the original cut of Justice League, right? The Whedon cut. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. So well, we um, we all saw it together, me, you, and Rob. <laughs> yeah, That's we right. did. We did. Yeah, we did. We did. Um, we did. Good, good That's times. Right. Wow. So I wanted to. What I wanted to ask are was. What were your? Well, let's just go through. What are our favorite changes? And uh, Robert, and I want I want to see how surprised you are about what wasn't in that original movie because you didn't see it. So I guess we can start with anybody. What were your favorite changes with the Snyder cut? Either scenes that were done differently, things that were added. You can go wherever you want. I'm, let's I'm, start I'm off with Superman's first. upper lip. okay i I did see the memes on that so i am aware of that change so besides like two scenes in the in in the whedon version i didn't really notice it the one scene was at the very beginning superman is talking to these kids on cell phone cam and he's saying uh there i don't know what the kids asked him but superman goes into this mini monologue about hope and he says, my dad always said, hope is like a lost set of keys. You know, you may lose it for a little bit, but you'll always find them. And I was like, as corny of a Superman line as it is, at least that's Superman. But you can still see that, like, upper lip. And then the second one, uh, when he's fighting Steppenwolf, he's like, uh, I'm a big fan of truth, but I'm also a fan of justice. Like, also a corny Superman line, but you can tell that's Whedon. Um, but my favorite, my favorite uh, part of the movie... By far, a cyborg. Yeah, I think uh, Joss Whedon deserves to be shamed forever and uh, fought if seen in public over what he did the cyborg in the original cut. So, for anybody who didn't see the original cut of Justice League, and it's been a while since I've even seen it, all the background of cyborg, all the explanation about his powers, all of his backstory from his accident, from it, how he got his powers, his relationship with his dad, all of that was cut out of the original cut of Justice League. So in the original movie, cyborg, we just don't know that much about him. And now that we've seen the Snyder cut, I mean, they really made him like the heart and soul of this movie. And Ray, Ray Fisher did a great job. And I really feel for that actor because... You know, since that, since you know, his scenes were cut out of the movie. No one knew what a good job. No one knew what a good job he did. You know, and it was super. It's it was it's super sad. I mean, I'm glad the Snyder cut is out now, and he's finally getting accolades. I hope Ray Fisher is able to get you know more acting gigs and things after at, things after this. But so much of his back. So I appreciated that we got so much more just backstory into him as a character and you know how important he ended up being do i have to ask in the original film how was he introduced 
Uh, so you know the scene um, where he says to his dad, like, you know how to make a monster? It's pretty much that scene with, like, a few more lines of dialogue where basically he says, uh, Cyborg says to his dad, like, something about a monster and his dad's like, you're not a monster. And he's like, it's funny, you thought I was talking about me. Um, that That's pretty much his introduction. Uh, we never see, if I remember correctly, we don't see that flight scene. His mom's mm-hmm. not in the movie at all. Nope. Uh, the football scene is cut by a a factor of three, I think. The football scene's not even in there. Yeah, I didn't it's think not? the football I thought scene was, was in there, yeah. Because oh, that was, was new to Was it just the trailer then that I remember? It was in the trailer. It was, it was just the trailer. trailer. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, no football scene at all. Um, the uh, part where Steppenwolf kills his dad is not in the scene at all. What happens is Steppenwolf literally like boom tubes in, takes it, and boom tubes out. You don't even see, you actually don't even see Steppenwolf take it, but that's what's implied is what happens. Yeah, also the... Um, oh, and the happened. ending, uh, when they go inside the mother boxes to stop the unity, that whole scene's mm. not there. It's pretty much so cool. him pulling it apart, him calling Superman over. They make a joke about not wanting to die and wanting to live. They pull it apart, then they make a joke about being able to feel their toes. And Cyborg says, I didn't even know I had toes. Uh, also, that whole backstory about him giving that single mom $100,000 that wasn't in there either. Um, that that wasn't in there. So yeah, so there was a lot taken out. So I would I see why Ray Fisher was mad at Joss Whedon before the allegations came out. I mean, if I if I was Ray Fisher, it would be on site if I saw Joss Whedon. That'd <laughs> be on site. <laughs> with the reception of Justice League and Cyborg in it, um, he he his solo film got cut. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, you have he didn't want to work with Warner Brothers before then. But, you know, if they really wanted to have that cyborg film, they could have recast him. I mean, we see how easy that's been able to do between um, Mark Ruffalo with Edward Norton uh, in in the um, Avengers films. Uh, So it's not like it's impossible. Um, And yeah, and he's been taken out of the Flash movie because he was supposed to be in that movie as well, but he's currently been taken out of it. So I hope he gets his film restored. I hope they put him back in the Flash um, if he wants to be. Yeah, this guy had a, a an incredible opportunity, and they just they just shafted him. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, his whole he's is supposed to be the heart and soul of the team. He is the connection between them and. <laughs> you know, and the mother boxes and all this stuff, and and like that you said, they they absolutely shafted him. Uh, one of the things though that stuck out to me though is Josh Whedon's oversexualization of Wonder Woman. Yep. Um, there was a bunch of scenes in the original cut where like the camera would get really low and like underneath her butt, and like just like just some weird scenes where you know. Like she's a beautiful woman, but you're like, all right, this is kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so- no. I, didn't, I didn't mean to cut you off, but just I remember too that scene in the original cut where like Flash like falls into Wonder Woman's cleavage. He needed a similar yep. joke with Scar with a uh, not Scarlet Witch with the Black Widow and Hulk when in Age of Ultron as well. And it was just like yeah, it just it didn't need to be there. So feels yeah, like there's that. Oh, oh. also I could do without uh, air bubbles uh, for Atlanteans to talk to each other. I, I don't know. I, I don't like that, but <laughs> that is... So 
the thing about that one is because they hadn't um, – because James Wan wasn't on deck to direct uh, Aquaman yet. I think he got signed a few months after they already started filming, and they were trying to figure out a way how to make them communicate. So they came up with air bubbles. And so then when um, they started shooting Aquaman, they asked him a question, said, are the air bubbles going to continue? He said, no, that's not, because he wasn't on board when that happened. So they wanted to leave it open for him down the line and change whatever he wanted to. So that's why nothing was definitive. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then uh, there, I think there was a point when Robert and I were watching it. And it was the uh, part where Flash is getting the sword to Wonder Woman where he's running around and he pokes it. And there's a shot of Wonder Woman from behind. And I was just like, didn't they upskirt up her in Whedon's version? He was like, pretty much. So I didn't miss yeah, out on Whedon the feminist. Yeah, and Whedon actually wrote a Wonder Woman film for WB back in the late nineties at the height of his fame. And that script is out there somewhere, and I'm told it's very, very terrible. Um, but yeah, uh, which makes me think he was getting all his fantasies and fetishes out for this film with Wonder Woman. <laughs> oh man. This is Joss Whedon and, account. And- and some other uh, changes. So I, I made uh, a TikTok about this, and it, it's mostly received positive receptions until some people came in there and just like, "Come on, man, don't drink the race Kool Aid, man." Um, so one, so some other differences is so Cyborg. What a lot of his backstory was cut. His mother was cut out. A lot of Joe Morton scenes as Silas Stone was cut out. Um, Shang Kai, who plays Ryan Choi, was completely cut out. Um, the uh, ar- this army scene where they're fighting Darkseid and the Whedon version, they're fighting Steppenwolf. The armies from Africa and Asia are completely gone. They're not even there, not shown once. Um, the Amazons of color and Atlanteans of color that are shown in the film are not there. Yeah. So yeah. we literally whitewashed the film, essentially. <laughs> and people are like, well, it's not just Whedon, it's other people too. I'm like, yeah. But if Whedon is the this will make it ally, okay. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, and I'm like, if Whedon's the ally that he claims to be, and has sort of hung his hat on for for a couple decades now, y- you fight for that. And it, and it would be a different thing, like if he just like filmed a different movie from scratch, but he cut stuff out. A lot of the stuff was already there. He could have worked with, and he, you know, they made an active choice under his leadership to cut a lot of that stuff. So, yeah, I mean, it is his fault. Right. Because I was on one, like, on, there was a discussion we were having on Facebook about it, and some people were like, well, we need to give Whedon some slack because, you know, he came in and, you know, he directed another person's movie. I said, no, 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 no. They gave him free reign to do whatever he wanted. He rewrote two-thirds of that movie and reshot 50% of that movie. So he did what he wanted to do. Weenie gets all the blame for that. He re-edited it. He recut it. He like took seventy five percent of uh, Zack Snyder's stuff out and put seventy five percent of his own. It was you know Weenie was in control. WB gave Weenie free range to do whatever he wanted. So the buck balls with him on that cut. And something else that was in there that's also present in the Avengers movies that he did was making the superhero team fight before they fight the final bad guy. Um, yeah. Because in the in the Justice League cut, um, Batman's pretty much well. Batman, everybody's characterization is different, but Batman's being an, a mopey dick to everyone. And one of the things he says to Wonder Woman 
is like, I never heard of you before Lex Luthor dropped his files. You know, you're supposed to be an inspiration, but you seem to, you know, hide away from the world once your pilot boyfriend died, which caused Wonder Woman to essentially like push Batman, I don't know, maybe like 10 feet with one hand and Aquaman and Flash are watching awkwardly. Yeah, I mean, just just on on that note, I think Batman's characterization is overall different. In the Whedon version, he was not logical at all, which kind of irked me because I I love Batman. Uh, Batman's decisions in the other version didn't make any sense to me. I uh, one one thing that is, I, I I don't know if it's problematic or humorous or not, but. The scene where Aquaman was sitting on Diana's rope. Yeah. I, I liked that scene. Uh and it, it wasn't in it, which is totally fine because it's tonally it's it doesn't doesn't work. But I, I did like it in, in the old version. Yeah, it was it was awkward before the <laughs> final battle, even though it was funny. Um I do think one thing that I did like originally that was Whedon's was Superman, uh, you know, holding Batman in the air while he's playing, he's like, do you bleed? I think that was a good flip of that. Um, but then having Batman quip, like, bleeding kind of a little, it's just like, that's not really a Batman thing to do. Um, he also had felt Batman kind of, like, yelp, not yelp, but sort of, like, get giddy a couple of times, and I was like, okay, that's definitely not Batman. <laughs> definitely not an older Batman. <laughs> Uh, it, it, somehow I, I gloss over uh, my favorite change, which is instead of the Flash pushing a truck out of town, uh, he went back in time and saved everyone. Yeah. That's uh, that was cool. Yeah, that was major. <laughs> Flash. Every every single character was done or with more reverence in this film than it was with the Whedon cut. Like Wonder Woman's characterization was better. Uh, you know, Flash's characterization was a lot better. He was still awkward and a little bit goofy, but he was downright creepy and awkward in the last cut. So, and then we also got to see the potential of the Flash, unlike the uh, the first film, uh, where you know there was a whole there was a whole Russian family in the Justice League cut that is absent in this film. Because I know somebody was asking Zack Snyder about his cut of the film, and they go, "So, what about the Russian family?" He goes, "What Russian family?" <laughs> so that was a whole addition to because Joss Whedon wanted to show the human struggle of what people are doing when gods are fighting, and so uh, which I I get what what you were trying to go for it just didn't land because these are characters we don't know who are introduced in the third act who you know nobody really cares about because who are these people why should we care about them just because they're regular people it makes no sense if they were maybe introduced maybe in the first act and we they were peppered in throughout the film maybe that would have connected more but you just introduced them in the last third of the film and expect us to you know connect with them because they're in danger doesn't work that way um but yeah flash got to show his major potential off for his next film things like that so you know the whole scene where you know at the um when they're rescuing rescuing the the scientist and you know um you know all this debris is falling down the flash uses his speed to you know clear all the debris off like that that wasn't in there either and then flash reversing time twice in the film was not was not there in the film at all so yeah flash reversed time twice in this film once when with the mother box to resurrect superman the second time to save everybody so that those were major differences too 
I, I can't have a quick question. And I, I, I apologize. Please let me know if I'm talking too much. I feel like I am. Um, <laughs> but do you guys think, how much of it do you think is Josh Whedon having free reign versus how much of it is Warner Brothers saying, make us an Avengers movie? So, uh, actually, I do want to pull something up since I start, uh, since you're on that, because Ray Fisher today uh, tweeted out essentially like a letter um, regarding the Snyder Cut, because he says, you know, a lot of people are just putting the blame on uh, Joss and Jeff Johns. And I want to read it if anybody um, has anything else to say before I pull it up. I'm trying to find it, because I know I put it in my Discord. Robert uh, and Jeff, something did you want to say earlier? No, it was just kind of just repeating what Robert already said regarding like Flash being able to showcase his ability to save civilians. That uh, probably was more impactful than from what I'm hearing from this Russian family that didn't seem to have any connection to the film. Right, because... Go ahead, Chris. Well, no, just like it was more impactful of Flash saving Justice League than just as a random family because now we've seen Flash interact with Wonder Woman, with Batman specifically, and with Cyborg as well. You see the bond. So it's more special seeing him save his team and his new friends and essentially his new family than just some random Russian family that we don't know. Uh, just on like that whole third act, just real quick. I know Stefan chose that area because of their like toxic radioactive waste. Was that like supposed to be Chernobyl or something? Is that why I was deserted and no one was there? Yeah, kind of, sorta. And that was, and I, uh, I think I don't think it was Snyder himself who said it. I think it was somebody on his production team that said the whole reason why it was said in that sitting was because of the backlash of Man of Steel where, you know, they were fighting through Metropolis, and it was like, oh, that would have killed a bunch of people. Um, and so they set it in an abandoned area, which sort of worked for the villain's purposes as well as, um, you know, th- that backlash, which I'm just like, yeah, I'm pretty sure if you read any major uh, comic fight, like any major comic arc, there's going to be a bunch of, you know, random bodies being dropped because supervillains don't care, and while superheroes have to do their best if they go save people while the supervillain's going off on a, a rampage i think they're going to save less people than they intended but i feel that was kind of the plot point of batman versus superman anyway so it kind of led to it exactly or at least addressed it a little bit in, in regards to the russian family though i i really think that was intended to be a callback to in joss's version the Flash was so unaccustomed to being a hero, he didn't know what to do. So Batman tells him, just save one person. And then after he does that, then he would continue to do so. And then at the end, he willingly goes and saves his whole Russian family and all this stuff. Uh, it was intended as like a callback, but it, it, it cheapened his character. It's not... This version was which much was, better. Which was really dumb because in this version, you know, Batman didn't have to tell Flash what to do. You know, you know, at the very beginning when they're saving the scientists, he goes, what, 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 what do I do? And he goes, save one person, which is, you know, what uh, Brandon was referencing is, you know, save one person. And then, you know, Flash saves one person. And it's just like he, even though he was still awkward and goofy, he was more self-assured as a hero 
than he was in the the Whedon version, which I definitely liked a lot more. I mean, because at this point, if he has a suit and he's been running around for a while now, it's not it. It may be the stakes may be higher. You know, he may be fighting a different class of villains at this point. But at this point, he knows how to save people because we've seen him do that before. And you know, you don't just build a suit if you're not if you don't know how to use your powers. So it was more. It gave Flash more credit than the Whedon version did. Yeah, especially if you keep in mind in Suicide Squad when we see him for that that brief like five seconds, you know, he's stopping Captain Boomerang from robbing a bank and by his attitude and demeanor, it's like this isn't his first time doing it. You know, he was even a little bit cocky about it. So there's that. So I have Ray Fisher's letter, so I'm going to read it. Go for it. Prior. Oh, so yeah. Prior to the Justice League reshoots of 2017, racially discriminatory conversations were had and entertained on multiple occasions by Warner Brothers Pictures executives, Toby Emmerich, Jeff Johns, and John Berg. Had I been aware of those conversations in real time, I would have addressed them in real time. However, it wasn't until the summer of 2020 that individuals who were in those meetings felt comfortable sharing with me what they had witnessed firsthand. When it comes to matters involving race, I always try to give the benefit of the doubt to those who may be ignorant of their own biases. But when you have studio executives, particularly Jeff Johns, saying, we can't have an angry black man at the center of the movie, and then those executives use their powers to reduce and remove all black people from that movie, they are no longer entitled to any benefit associated with doubt. Toby, Jeff, and John were not ignorant of their biases. They understood full well that the racist rhetoric they chose to entertain in those meetings was offensive, discriminatory, and unacceptable. Furthermore, they dared not speak those things to me, nor any other black person associated with the film. Instead, they chose the cowardly route of gaslighting, completely, complete with extremely problematic requests such as asking me to play Cyborg like Quasimodo, and forcing a scene to be reshot so they could highlight the existence of Cyborg's penis. Unfortunately, those were just some of the issues. We now know that the leadership at Warner Brothers Pictures lied to the cast and crew of Justice League and to the world about Zack Snyder picking Joss Whedon to finish the film. The truth will continue to reveal itself, and as it does, there will likely be attempts to shift blame completely onto Kevin Sujihara and Joss Whedon. But make no mistake, Jeff Johns worked intimately with Joss to overhaul the entire Justice League script. And while Jeff was not credited as a co-writer of the film, he was certainly an enforcer of the race-based discrimination that occurred during his conversations with Toby and John. Zack Snyder's Justice League stands as proof of and opposition to that discrimination. I am indebted to the participants of the Justice League investigation. They have put themselves at great risk to share the truth. I owe it to them, I owe it to my peers in this industry, and I owe it to all black people to stay the course. Onward. Gratefully, Ray. Accountability over entertainment. P.S. Walter Hamada owes an apology to all the participants of the Justice League investigation. Sounds like Ray Fisher and John Boyega need to start a podcast. They, uh, someone said that uh, not too long after they tweeted Ray at Fisher. each other. I think, yeah, yeah. And he was like, "After this is all over, we definitely gonna have a conversation." I was like, "Look, only there was a Snyder cut of the Star Wars film." <laughs> I, 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 oh, but you know, there is. Okay, so I do, oh. I do want to talk about that briefly because someone, I think it was Hannah in in our in your Discord, you and uh, Pep's Discord, Brandon, that brought this up. Um, she was saying she was hoping the Snyder Cut would be bad, so it wouldn't put out this pre- precedent that if you don't like a movie enough, if you complain about it, that you'll get a new cut. 
And what I and what I said was, I think there are completely different circumstances between, let's say, the Last Jedi or the Rise of Skywalker, and uh, Justice League. Because while yes, you may have had studio tampering because of backlash or whatever with the with Star Wars, the Snyder Cut was a completely different film that got hampered at every different time with underhanded techniques with firing the director um, after the death of his daughter, um, lying to the world that this was his replacement pick, and then subjecting the cast and crew to uh, racial and sexual abuse from the director and some of the executives and what they had them do. I think those are two completely different things. While some of the results might be the same with, you know, let's say like Finn getting shafted, Rose getting shafted, um, and, and the rise of Skywalker, it's different than what happened with Ray Fisher, Gal Gadot, and everybody else in Justice League. Yeah, definitely. I mean, as as you know, I'm I'm a huge Star Wars guy. <laughs> um, yes. And uh, what I what I would love to see is this set of precedent for is understanding that a streaming service is different than a movie theater. Right. Um, and I, <laughs> I know we don't want to talk too much about Marvel, but one of the things I liked about WandaVision is each episode had a set different runtime. Why? Because they needed to tell a story and enough to tell their story, not be bogged down with trying to fit in commercials or like an arbitrary like limit and all this stuff. So what I would love this to set precedent for is extended versions. These things that you decided you were going to cut for time in the theater, put them in a film. That's what I want to see. But no, I don't want to see re-releases and, uh, and I, I, I love The Last Jedi. So, <laughs> but like I, I do know like Rise of Skywalker, which is my least it's at the very, very bottom of my list. Um I know that they shot a lot more at the very beginning to start it to set the stage of what was happening. Uh and they cut that so you don't know what the hell's happening. I don't know. That's the sort of precedent I hope this sets. Yeah, I can definitely agree with the the extended editions and Robert. I know I know what's going on in your head. I am in there. Save it for the Star Wars podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, but, but Robert, as as a filmmaker, we, we um, should talk. We should talk. To it. <laughs> I, I feel like so I know what he's going to say. No, real quick about the Star Wars one about Rise of Skywalker. There is a J.J. Abrams cut that's four and a half hours long as well. Uh, that Disney made him cut down to what was the end of running time? Like two and a half hours? Uh, something yeah, like that. I don't know. 220, 230, something like that. Something like that. But there is a fabled four hour, four and a half hour J.J. Abrams cut of Rise of Skywalker. So once Snyder Cut really got up and going, a lot of people said, release the J.J. Cut, release the J.J. Cut. Oh that God. became a thing. That did I, become a thing. So I just I wanted would, to say that. That's all. I'd be down for that. I would definitely be down for that. It couldn't hurt the film any more than it was already done. So, you know, why not? I'm also down for release the Ayers cut because we we know Suicide Squad got from what we got in the trailers where it was a darker version. And then we got and it became so lighthearted. But I was like, huh? Well, the reason that happened is 
but but uh, th- they do music videos and commercials. That's who edited the so, film. So the same the same people who edited the original trailer with uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, that was the company that ended up editing Suicide Squad after the fact. So that's why the whole tone shifted was because of them. But yeah, that's beyond the point. At the beginning of Suicide Squad, like they're coming in on the helicopter, the helicopter gets hit with a rocket and they're forced to land. Who shot that rocket? <laughs> Who shot it? Wasn't Joker? He wasn't there yet. Wasn't a bunch of the mindless people? Who shot it? The hell happened? It haunts me. It's been so long <laughs> since I've seen that movie. Oh man! I think I, I think I saw it twice in theaters, and then I think I got a lot of Marvel fans really mad when I really didn't like the Ragnarok. I was like, you know what? I'd rather watch right now: Suicide Squad. <laughs> hey, wait, wait, wait. Okay, Assault on Arkham. Suicide Squad. Oscar winning Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad won an Oscar. It, it won an did Oscar. Win an before Oscar. The MCU I forgot did. about that. Before, before the MCU did. And that's what I would love to point in MCU's face. Like, okay. you guys have got better movies, but we have an Oscar. Okay, I've, I've one thing. Hey, we glossed over one big change um, with the Snyder cut. We got Black Suit Superman. When he came back, he wore the black suit the entire time. It's what everybody wanted. Why was that not in the original cut? I don't. Why? Well, because he didn't wear it for the for the Colors. reason that he wore it. Colors. That's why. But the oh, the black suit Superman why. is like. Sorry, you go ahead. No, no, sorry. Uh, I was just wondering, like, what was the significance of the black suit? Uh, it's a comic book. I mean, death of, after the yeah. death of Superman, when Doomsday kills Superman, and afterwards, there's a story, there's a bunch of, like, copycat Superman, and the real one comes back in a black suit and a mullet, and I believe, I mean, you guys, I, you guys probably know more than me, but I believe the, the black suit just kind of represents, like, a, just a change in him, right? Like, he's just trying well, to do the, something The black suit was meant to absorb more sun for there him There you go. That, that's what it is. That would have right. so, got it. There was there was an actual reason for it. He was not able. He was not up to power. This was a recovery suit. It absorbs more of the sun's radiation, so he can come back like he was. There was right. no reason for. I I, I loved it, but I, I will say it did leave the color palette pretty. Uh, you know, I, I felt like I smeared dirt on my screen. <laughs> No, yeah, but I, he, I, he's I, right because in, in in the comic though, because Superman, they essentially established that Superman was just a giant battery, and God, fighting Doomsday ran his battery down to empty, and so that's why he died. And so the black suit was to in order for him to get radiation and the sun, and everything like that, to recharge himself. Because in that in that comic book series, he couldn't even fly yet when he first came back. He needed a Kryptonian suit of war, a Kryptonian war armor suit, to get back to Metropolis from the fortress, and then they had to fight mongol and then he needed flight boots from LexCorp to fly with everybody else so he didn't have all his powers near the end of that that comic so that was the reason for the black suit and matrix supergirl was helping him fly too oh yeah i forgot about that that's a weird so. thing we all forget about matrix supergirl <laughs> Uh, but yeah, oh, I like the. I mean, I like the black. I like the black suit was in there in in this in this version. Yeah, someone asked me while they were watching it. They were like, "Is he wearing you know a suit to help him absorb absorb solar ra- solar solar radiation?" I was like, uh, y- "Yes, but no." He's supposed to. Yeah, he's supposed <laughs> to be, but no. But it looks cool, and that's really yeah. what matters. Um. Oh, and another change since we're talking about the black suit, the additional lines from Jonathan Kent 
and uh, Jor-El were, were mm-hmm. great. Uh, that scene for me worked a lot better than his seeing the force ghost of Jonathan Kent on a mountaintop. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> I purged that yes. from my mind. Force ghost dead. It was the equivalent of Han Solo coming back in Riot Skywalker. That's where they got it from. That's where they got it from. Ghost dad. Uh, yeah, I will, exactly where they got it. Ghost dad. I will say, <laughs> and you guys can find me on this. This is a. Uh, this is a podcast uh, hate account. I'm glad that he was a voice instead of a force ghost because <laughs> his scene in Man of Steel is probably probably my least favorite scene in that movie where he tells uh ba- he tells Baby Clark like oh you know should I have saved my friends and he's like I don't know maybe and I'm like what <laughs> that was out of Man of Steel I I actually generally like Man of Steel as a movie but that was one thing where I was just like yeah you know what I'm glad he died I don't why would you say that. Why do you tell him not to try to save his friends? Just like you could have been like, "Hey man, well, just try to be discreet." But yeah, I get it. Got to do what you got to do. Like, oh my gosh. Because that's the other thing. Because it's just like, all right, everybody gonna see a bus of dead kids except for Clark. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got better. I don't know. <laughs> and and, and I, the I tornado scene. Oh, I mean, I, I love I love Man of Steel, but the tornado scene where he's just like, no, don't expose yourself. It's just like, all right, it's a tornado. He could have easily like er, not everybody's like really paying attention to that. So like, you know, they, they're all like, oh, my God, we're alive. Oh, my God, it's coming closer. He could easily like grabbed you and hid you somewhere. I think they were just trying to avoid him having another heart attack and another incarnation of Superman, because literally Bruce's parents die by bullets all the time. Uncle Ben always is killed by a robber. Pa Kent always dies by a heart attack. And no matter what version of Superman there is, Pa Kent dies of a heart attack. He just in the, like, in the Lewis and Clark show, that's how they that's exactly how yeah. they kill him. He died he died of a heart attack because that's just how he dies. Like in the original Superman movie, he died of a heart attack. In Smallville, died of a heart attack. Um, I don't think they killed a man Superman the animated show because you know kids his, TV show. His parents were but, alive in the animated show. I remember there was a Christmas episode where him and Martian Manhunter yeah. went. Martian Manhunter right. he got invited there for Christmas and both his parents were alive. Sorry. Right. Even the um, what was it? Oh, even the comic books died of a heart attack. So Pa Kent just dies of a heart attack. I think they were trying to avoid that. Yeah. Not, what if it turns out he lived? He's somewhere. He's just killing. Well, tornado that, picked so, him up. In one of the comic reiterations, um, it was like in the early 2010s when they were doing um, like Superman was coming back and it showed like Pa Kent had amnesia and was just living somewhere. And he's watching Superman fight, I think, Atlas in Metropolis. And as like, you know, he keeps fighting Pa Kent's like, that's my boy. And then like rushes home. And then after, you know, Superman recovers, like, Ma Kent calls him. And I'm just like, wait, I've been reading this comic run for a little bit. When when was he alive? And I don't remember if they ever explained that. <laughs> they didn't. Oh, I think, yeah, the DC retcon, like, in 2015 happened. So I, I, I really do, though, need to rewatch Man of Steel because at that point, I was I was out. I... I, I for for me, Superman, Pa Kent is the crux of his story. Um, is he he got the wonderful human morality from these from his parents, and in that version, 
they, they were kind of cold of like, I don't, I don't know if the world deserves you or anything like <laughs> you, you do you don't worry about them, which is, which is fine. But yeah, I need to rewatch it and like, let that part go and see how the rest of it sits with me without that. Cause as soon as I hit that part, I was like, Nope, I'm out. <laughs> I had a stray thought one day. And after that, I was like totally fine with the, the representation of Superman. I was just like, Superman's a millennial. And think about how many millennials feel about the world and how their parents feel about the world. And I was just like, well, yeah, yeah it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I think Bill Man of Steel, they could have flipped the two fathers' perspectives, right? Because, like, one is the father from another planet. You know, his original father would be like, maybe you should blend in. You know, you're going to a, a new place. You're unknown. Whereas the... You know, human father could have been like, you know, show off. You're just this amazing individual because he could understand just maybe have a different perspective on how different Superman was from regular people. Yeah. Uh, another change that we should get to, because even though he was in there briefly, I know it made me happy. I know it made Brandon happy. I know it made Robert happy. Martian Manhunter. I was going to say, yeah, film. we got to do the post credit stuff. Yeah. Martian Manhunter, yeah, no, it was cool. I, yeah, I'm so it, it was not. There were there were people theorized that the the general, I forget his name, he was in Man of Steel, that he was secretly Swan Martian Lake, Manhunter. Because usually, I mean, in most modern Martian stories of Martian Manhunter, he usually cosplays as a black person, and oftentimes he's you know in the military or in some form of um leadership like that. Like Supergirl did the same thing. I'm pretty sure. Um, uh, so yeah, no, it was cool that he was in there. Yeah, played by Harry Lennox. There we go. Can, can, can we uh, <laughs> uh, just just real briefly touch on his return in Justice League Unlimited, where there's a random Asian dude on the Great Wall of China and yep. he starts punching parademons and turns into a dragon, and you're like, who the hell is this guy? And he turns in, into Jean, and you're like. Oh, okay. Wonder Woman, great Hera. <laughs> Hera. Just, just love. I, I'm just happy to see him in anything because his, um, his comic run from 2012, I want to say, is just really, really good. I, I just love to see that character getting some love. Although I did hear that that was supposed to be John Stewart originally. At least that's what, um, what uh, was Zack Snyder wanted, which also makes me sad but i'm happy we got one of them yeah they said no to that wb said no to john stewart and it looks like they're continuing to say no to him because the hbo max green lantern core series that we're getting is supposed to feature simon baz jessica cruz who i like both of them He's guy a- gardner who i despise uh, sinestro and kilowog they're putting them in the i mean i don't, I don't know if i'm gonna talk about arrowverse right now but they're putting him in. Diggle is going to be John Stewart in the Arrowverse. He's supposed to show up on some of the other shows as like a guest the star. Flash. The Flash is one of them. Uh, but to the the point about John Stewart, though, they were there was originally supposed to be a DCEU movie with the Green Lanterns, and it was supposed to feature Hal and Hal and John as a buddy cop movie. That was the original plan. That's why HBO Max show. Uh, they didn't include him because they were still there were still plans to do that movie oh. at the time that they convinced that they started that series. Right I'm now, upset, that movie's no. not gonna happen. Yeah, because so it was supposed was to be happen. training day. It's training day. It was supposed to be training day with right. Green Lantern with aliens. 
Yeah. I'm saying I was missing a Green Lantern like Easter egg at hinting at maybe a future movie. I feel like it needed yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, you You're just had it in the flashback, and that was it. I mean, they were, I mean, it was obvious they had plans to do a Green Lantern eventually. I just think they, yeah, they just didn't do it. They didn't do it here. Yeah. Um, Chris, you want to talk about the other, uh, the most famous? Well, so wait, wait. So you had, they did the same post credit scene as the original with Deathstroke and Lex Luthor. I think the difference this time was that he gives them Batman's identity. And that was supposed to set up the Affleck solo film, right? Right. Yeah, because so, Deathstroke, you want, you want to do that or do you want me to do it? Yes, I will take it. It's Batman. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so in, in the uh, 2017 version, it alludes to the Legion of Doom. He said they formed a league. Shouldn't we have a league of our own? So maybe not the Legion of Doom, but the Injustice League. Um, and in this version, you have um, uh, Luthor after he escaped from Arkham saying that Deathstroke has volunteered to kill the bat for free. And he said, uh, Deathstroke is like, you said you had something for me. And he says, yeah. And he tells him his name is Bruce Wayne, which was supposed to lead into the solo Batman film with uh, Ben Affleck because it was supposed to be Deathstroke versus Batman and uh, Deathstroke systematically destroying Bruce Wayne's life, similar to the David Kane post um, No Man's Land Batman story arc. And we're not getting that because we have Battinson, which, given the trailer we've gotten, I'm excited for. And also, Robert Pattinson is not a bad actor outside of Twilight. Well, we can, yeah, I, I think we can definitely talk about, like, once we're done wrapping up the movie, we can talk about the Zack Snyder cut. You know, is it possible for them to follow up anything from this movie? Is this just going to be a thing that stands on its own and we're just going to cry about what could have been? But uh, first... Um, Whoever who wants to explain the uh, the other post credit scene, the most uh, probably the biggest one, the one that had the coolest stuff in it. Um, whoever can go can talk about it. Jesus Joker. Jesus we Joker wasn't a, even a thing. We even, live even in the, the we society. Live in society wasn't even in that either. So you know, I know. which is pissed off a lot of people. Batman. A truce, Bruce. Which I do want to bring up that I do want to bring up that end credit scene because remember in the end credit scene, Joker has a card. He says, as long as the card is intact, there's a truce. If you go back and watch, I, I didn't mention this yesterday, Chris, when we watched it, but if you notice that when uh, Cyborg has his premonition of the nightmare scene and you see Superman holding Batman's uh, cow, you see a torn card in half floating through the air. So, which alludes back to that at the end, talking about how there, there was no longer a truce between him and the Joker. Because originally, I think the Joker stole like a mother box or something like that, and they were gonna they needed a mother box to like you know help them go back in time. And the Joker actually had the where knew the location, the whereabouts of the mother box. So uh, that's I, also that's why he needed the Joker in the nightmare scenario. I, I could I could be off on this, but um, my understanding was that the Joker was actually the one that solved the anti-life equation um, as as part of it. But that would also um, make sense given how insane he is. He, he, yeah, he's he's insane, but he's also incredibly smart, and a lot of people don't give him credit for that. He's just mm -hmm. he just doesn't do anything uh, with, with it. Um, but I. 
I, I enjoyed the scene, but some of the the plans, and again, I need to, to research all of it, but some of the plans for the future installments um, were things like 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 Bruce and Lois have an affair and all this like there's some some weird stuff it seems like was planned in the future uh, but seeing the nightmare scene was cool and it was you know nice to know that that scene in BVS did mean something and that we had this greater idea that of what was going to happen in the future and I, I, I think that's the most important thing these guys weren't flying by the seat of their pants um, but we just we just didn't get it, and I, once again, I would love to get this in a graphic novel. Well, two things on that: the Bruce and Lois love triangle or love affair was supposed to happen in this cut. WB said no, and Zack Snyder agreed to not put that in the film. So there was that that was supposed to happen in this film, not in the future ones. Uh, number two, a secret thing, because you know, uh, Lois by the end of the film, Lois is pregnant the superman's kid in the nightmare scenario the new batman is not robin or dick grayson is actually superman and lois's son fighting against his father that was what one of the original plot points was going to be uh, is that uh the new the what lois's lois and um superman's son was going to be the new batman um but also they had talked about like the sequels of justice league two and three were supposed to be a graphic novel and jim lee was supposed to be doing the art for it. but seeing how jim lee is super busy who knows when, if that will ever happen? But he was supposed to be doing the art for that. Love the Jim Lee comic. But I mean, yeah, I I I I just appreciated that we finally had a scene with Affleck and Leto because that's supposed to be his Joker. I mean, you kind of they did like a you didn't really get in Suicide Squad, not really. So I mean, I I'm glad that a scene with those two exists. And I mean, you had like Destro, it was Destro, Mera, Cyborg, and Flash were all there. They were all like the survivors in that last scene, I think. Um, yeah. 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 The the elephant in the room being Amber Heard. Yeah, and we, yeah, we know Amber yeah. Heard uh, is abusive. And I think she got dropped. Are they doing Aquaman 2 still? Did they? I heard they dropped her from it. Yeah. yeah. No, uh, that, that that's not official yet. So I mean, she's still she's still officially a part of it. Uh, the thing is, because she's gotten quiet recently, so I'm pretty sure WB told her to shut up, or we will drop you from the film. And seeing how that was her only major project that she has, I'm pretty sure she shut up for that exact reason because she was talking a lot about the whole domestic violence situation, and then all of a sudden she just went radio silent. So I'm pretty sure WB told her to shut up so that she can be part of Aquaman too. Because uh, they jo- they dropped Johnny Depp from you know the uh, Fantastic Beast series, so you know. Oh, and random thought they uh they had William Defoe in this co- in this cut talking to Aquaman, which lines up with the Aquaman movie that was not in Justice League. I was like, oh hey, yeah. glad you're here. Good job. Yes, yeah. So I I think I'll I'll touch on that. Yeah. So that was originally supposed to be in there, and that it was a. The ending of Justice League was really supposed to be the starting point for pretty much everyone else. And that's why when you have the starting of Aquaman and some of the interactions between the characters, when he sees Mera again and he sees uh, Vulcan and it's just like, or Volko, not Vulcan, Volko. I forget, I forgot what um, his name was. Uh, it, it's totally different. Instead of just seeing Aquaman, I think, jumping out of the ocean like a dolphin at the end of Justice League 2017, you know, which is like, all right, let's let's 
you know, continue to make the Aquaman jokes, even though Jason Momoa would probably rip Joss Whedon in half. But, you know. <laughs> but speaking on uh, continuity, like, I guess, the, were those scenes originally in the uh, original version, like him meeting uh, Mera? Mera? Yeah, that was, was already shot. Different, that was though. already shot. But yeah, it was okay, different. That. Vulcan was not, Boko was not in there at all. Christopher Vulcan is Star Trek. Stop acting like your mother. Stop it. <laughs> She's a Trekkie. It's in my blood. Which I, I guess the the odd part, of having watched the Aquaman film, is when you know they meet in that film. She's way more hostile than I would expect someone who's already interacted with prior, and they saved the day. You know, you feel she'd be a, bit, a little bit more confident in them. And also, the accent was different too. Yeah. Yeah. Which makes that, that kept like, me off guard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That she has a British accent now. I was like, they just wanted her to sound fancy. Um, but uh, yeah, the fact that he's so hostile about his mother gives a bit more credence to that. Since she's like, this is the woman that practically raised me. He's like, huh, must be nice. Um, you know, he still has mommy issues, which, you know, every superhero's got some type of parental issues. <laughs> I. I, I will say though, I think that um, we don't need everything to be interconnected. Uh, please, if if WB, if you're watching this, just if something's not working, cut your losses. Let's move forward. Don't make a movie to explain why bad choices were made in a previous movies or whatever or different. Not even bad, just different. Cut your losses. Let's just move forward. We're fine. We're good. Or and if honestly, you're gonna do it, at least to make it good, like Rogue One. Give us something. So don't you talk uh, bad about that, that movie? I think oh, we're so. We're kind of we're kind of getting there a little bit, but so the big question is like, okay, so people wanted a Snyder Cut. We got a Snyder Cut. Snyder Cut is out. It is universally acclaimed as better than the original movie. Clearly, the Snyder Cut set up a lot of things that uh, Warner Brothers is planning not to follow up on. Do we think that they will make changes to their slate of movies, or are they going to do anything to follow up? Of, are they going to try to follow up from Zack Snyder's Justice League at all, or is just just going to be like a movie, just you know, lost in time? You know, what could have been? So restore the Snyderverse. Restore the Snyderverse. That's the new campaign. <laughs> I, I would be on board with that. Um, but if they, you know, if like, I guess the money isn't there, they already put everything in production. One thing that could, uh, they, they, they could do that was mentioned earlier is comic books, right? They could continue it as a new line, a new alternate universe comic book line. That kind of tells that full story that clearly was being hinted at in this film. The, I will say if they're going to give me one film, that was supposed to be set up by this movie. I want Batman versus Deathstroke because Batfleck is by far the best physical representation of Batman that we've gotten on pretty much anything except the Arkham games. As in, like, he's really built? No, I'm talking oh, about the, the brutality fight. of his like fight. Like the action, yeah. Fight like choreography and stuff, yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, because that word versus Deathstroke, like, I, I, I'm pretty sure most, I don't know about uh, you, Rob, Robert, uh, not my brother, the other one. Uh, if uh, you've played Arkham Origins, but that trailer where Batman is fighting Deathstroke was amazing. Granted, the fight afterward in the game actually sucked, but that 
trailer was top tier. Just just seeing that in live action would be amazing. So less stealth and more just like really just showcasing the fact he was trained uh, to fight. I mean, I feel like uh, you guys probably watched the whole DC fandom event like like I did, right? They're mm-hmm. leaning into this whole multiple universes thing. And I could very easily say that there is a Snyderverse that is a universe. It's a separate reality. And yeah, they can continue with it. They can do whatever. They can develop it. They can develop other stuff over here. They can have, you know, we have our CW verse. I I mean, I love Superman and Lois. I think it's, it's a great, like, palate cleanser of a show. Both can exist. We don't need to choose. And then at the very end, if it starts to get too expensive, do a crisis event and and then and weed it down. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, don't, I honestly it? think at this point, um, you're not going to have it get to a place where it's going to get too expensive because the Snyderverse fandom is set. You're going to get some casuals coming into that or some just general DC fans into that. When the movies come out, uh, it looks like they're going in, in the right direction based off of Shazam, Aquaman, so far what we've seen from the Batman trailer. And people are at least liking Ezra Miller as a Flash more if they keep this kind of tone to it. Which I don't know if Rick Famuyi was still doing it, but I hope he is. Um, that No, he's he's not doing the new Flash movie. The guy, uh, the guy who directed the It movie series, uh, the last two It movies, he's the one directing. The Flash movie. I don't know. How I feel. So Andy Musis, yeah, I don't know how to say his last name. The guy who directed it, Chapter One and Chapter Two, he's doing the Flash movie. Don't know how I feel about that, but I think you know, uh, what, what is the the field of dreams like? People will come, Ray. Like, yeah, just, just like people are going, people are going to show up. I think that if Marvel has taught us anything with the, uh, you know, people are going to show up. And even if they hate the previous movie, as we saw with Star Wars with The Last Jedi with The Rise of Skywalker, people are going to show up. They're going to talk bad about it, but hey, no publicity is bad publicity. Also, just give us Batman. Just just give us Batman. I, I know we're getting the movie, but like, c- can you... Can we stop with this whole, like... Like, Arrow, he's like Batman light. And he's like, he's... <laughs> He's with Rashal Ghoul and dating one of his daughters and all this this weird stuff. And then they give us Gotham, which is also Batman Light. And they're like, We're gonna do a Pennyworth show. Pennyworth, which is Bat- Batman Light. There's Batwoman. Batman Light. Yeah. Ba- like skip God damn it. Give me Batman. <laughs> Stop it. And then you have no, you have Nightwing do- and Titans. I heard they're doing they want to do a Batgirl show for HBO Max, maybe. Yeah, Barbara. Joss Whedon was on board for that and now he's not. Thank God. Um, but I, I do, since you brought up Pennyworth, Pennyworth reminds me of Krypton. So when Krypton was a show that was way better than it deserved to be. Correct. You know, the budget on that show was phenomenal. The Brainiac on that show, great. It made me care about Superman's grandfather. Did I care about Superman having a grandfather before then? Nope. It was Jor-El, Lara, Superman, and his, his people after him. But it was a good show. Adam Strange was good on that show. Zod was good on that show, even though I still have questions of how 
uh, a light-skinned black woman and a white uh, dude have a son that is darker than I am, but you know, it, hey, it worked for Brandy Cinderella. Okay, so you know what does look classic, okay? <laughs> That's also a project that was way better than it should have been. <laughs> oh, sorry, random, random. I know. I apologize. Yes, yeah, but. Yeah, I totally agree. Give give us Batman, which it looks like, you know, they're saying this Batman's going to be more of a detective with, uh, you know, uh, Robert Pattinson's Batman, which, you know, it's fine. And it looks like he's also going to be brutal. We're probably not going to like his Bruce Wayne much. But, you know, who goes to see a Batman movie for Bruce Wayne? I do. And so does Christopher Nolan. That was essentially the reason why the Bat the Dark Knight trilogy works because it was just as much about Bruce Wayne as it was about Batman. Even more so Bruce Wayne than it was Batman in certain movies, but you know. Bruce Wayne is just the mask. Yeah. So so my my mind goes to the comic panel of of Bruce uh Superman and and Wonder Woman holding the lasso of truth and Wonder Woman saying, I'm Diana Prince and Superman saying, I'm Clark Kent. And Bruce saying, I am Batman. Batman. (laughs) But that's that's the thing. I mean, that's the thing about Batman, though, right? Is that he's really Batman 24-7. And Bruce Wayne, I mean, essentially, Bruce Wayne died in the alley. And Bruce Wayne is, you know, like a fake hate he uses to do Batman stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, did Did we hit most things that we needed to? I feel like we we've covered most of our bases. Um, I oh I did I saw I, I noticed something yesterday. So my uh, my parents watched it uh, last night, and uh, both Robert and I were on standby for any questions that needed to be answered. <laughs> One thing I noticed during that viewing yeah. versus the other two times I watched it was that I forgot that they changed like. Oh wait, we we didn't even talk. We didn't talk about Steppenwolf. Oh, we didn't talk shoot. about Steppenwolf. Yeah, we totally Steppenwolf. didn't talk about Steppenwolf. Well, we briefly his, alluded, but yeah. Uh, yeah, his character design is different. His characterization is different. His motivation is different. They're all so much better. But one thing that they changed is so in mother. Uh, the Snyder cut, uh, Steppenwolf is much more alien in his design, and he looks more brutal. He looks, you know, like a warrior versus in. This um, the uh, Joss Whedon version. He is a lot more toned down, and I think they were ta- too scared about uh, Steppenwolf being scary. But people are literally making memes about Steppenwolf looking like a sad cat when he just wants to come home. So I mean, like people are not scared of the Steppenwolf. And then one thing is, like, I think he has like seven or eight fingers on his hand. And I didn't even notice that until the next time I watched it. But in the Joss Whedon version, he has like a human hand that's just slightly bigger. And I was just like, huh. But yeah, no, I would agree. And his motivation was better because now you understand like, in the, I mean, Darkseid wasn't in the original Justice League, right? So now you get the full context of, okay, he's like a henchman for Darkseid. And, you know, Darkseid is red. Darkseid is red. He's about to get like fired, right? He's <laughs> Darkseid has Steppenwolf <laughs> on like the, uh, what does it call at work when they are thinking about firing you? Like a, he's on a, probation. a performance plan. He's on, he's yeah, on yeah. Plan. Steppenwolf <laughs> is on like a performance plan. He's like, oh man, I better get sales up these, this quarter. You know, so he Steppenwolf has stakes on what he needs to do, and he's not just a conqueror because it 
it made more sense to have Darkseid at the original Invasion instead of Steppenwolf. Because, yeah, like, Robert N. in the original movie, they have Steppenwolf in that original Invasion. They cut back the armies, and it's just like... Like... You needed to have, I think, Darkseid as, like, a force and, like, a future threat to set up and kind of, like, have his shadow over the events of the movie. And Steppenwolf and Darkseid was only mentioned once in the Justice League original movie. Near the very end of the film, but for other for the rest of the movie, Steppenwolf was talking about we're doing this for mother, for mother, and I'm just like, who is mother? What is going on? Yeah, why is he? Why does he keep referencing mother when he should be talking about dark side? But you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And- can, can we also just like briefly acknowledge the uh, when when he meets with dark side and his armor turns off, and you're like, oh, that's not a hat. I thought that was like a. Yeah, I thought that was a helmet. No, that's, that's <laughs> you. You stripping down for for dark side. It's kind of weird, but all right, go off. I guess. <laughs> I assume it's because like you know his armors when he's in battle mode and he's meeting it with his master. He's not gonna you know bare his fangs at his master. Yeah, and that's also that something was a hat. I want to uh, uh, bring up is that um, Steppenwolf. Uh, when he's fighting in uh, the 2017 edition, you know, there's this whole thing with the parademons, like, you know, they sense fear and, and that, you know, is why they're kidnapping people and everything like that. Um, and that's what ends up killing Steppenwolf in the 2017 version. They break his axe and then he's like, no, this is impossible. I'm about to lose again. And so then, you know, Batman's like, you know, you guys smell that? And then someone else is like, yeah, fear. And then the parademons start to, like, eat Steppenwolf. Oh, alive, yeah, that whole like fear storyline was stupid. And the too, hyenas and that. Lion King. Yeah. Yeah, because the very beginning of the movie, scarred. the very beginning of the movie, too, you know, Batman is hunting parademons. And he's using fear to attract them because apparently the parademons are attracted to fear. So in the very beginning of the movie, Batman uses a common criminal, hangs him off the side of the film to use him as bait and then, you know, snatch a parademon. Because there was this whole thing in the very end of the film where Batman developed a, um, basically a siren that attracted the parademons based off of the fear that he used at the very beginning of the movie. That was another thing that was like, huh, that's stupid, but yeah. Also, I have a question. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, Yeah, I have a question for you guys. Which one was cooler? Uh, The Snyder Cut version of the axe, which shot with had lightning and stuff, or the Whedon version, which was like a fire axe and left like deep, like flaming marks and things. I like the electric axe because it looked, I don't want to say it looked more dangerous, but it did. It felt more dangerous, especially when you saw him start cutting people in half. Like, you know, the Amazons, the Atlanteans, everybody was getting cut in half and just seemed more dangerous. Just for the simple fact that, you know, it was lightning, but you know, that's just me. I'm glad you brought up the flame axe because in uh, I rewatched the comparison scenes between the opening the or the historical battle, you know, scene where when Darkseid throws a spear down, you see the Omega symbol. So you see like that's anti-life, right? That same symbol is in the 2017 cut. So you didn't you didn't change it. You just changed it Darks or you changed it Steppenwolf instead of Darkseid. I'm just like That's lazy. <laughs> like, if you're just going to eliminate anti-life, just get rid of it. I, it can't be that hard. 
Kinda... Oh, and also, um, when Steppenwolf would conquer the world, the inhabitants would just turn into to parademons. That that's how they chose that role. That's what happens with the mother boxes unifying and all that. Got it. Didn't they keep that in this film as well? Didn't they say like people turned into parademons? Yeah, that was in this film, but it wasn't in the original one. Oh, uh, okay. they didn't really explain where parademons came from, so that was no, explained no. in this version. They well, they did. They said, uh, "Oh, well, they didn't explain it, but they did say like when he was fighting people, they would die or they would turn into, you know, parademons." Oh, okay. So it's kind of more a side effect of fighting Steppenwolf and not the end result of being conquered. Yeah. Okay. Because you were seeing people like mid battle turn into parademons uh, during the fight. Oh, yeah. That's right. That did happen. I forgot about that. From like all the different changes you guys have pointed out, it kind of seems like they're completely different films, which kind of begs the question. If Zack Snyder had already filmed this and Josh Whedon had came in to basically provide a finished version, uh, why wouldn't he take the path of least resistance and just take this four-hour-long movie and just do cuts? It seems like he refilmed, changed like changed scripts, like did Corporate a lot of work to make it worse. Corporate espionage. That is the only answer I have at this point because it seems like he was paid by Disney to infiltrate WB and just kill this film because nothing else makes sense. Because, like you said, why wouldn't you go the path of least resistance? Nothing else makes sense besides Disney paid him on the side to go in here, mess up this movie, and mess up the competition. Yeah, because because the other thing is. they still use that same amount of time that they use to finish up the film to do all the reshoots plus maybe a little bit extra. So imagine having to reshoot like two thirds of a film in a time that you need to do like 25% of the film. That means if longer days, I don't know if they really got paid that much more, if anything, I mean, it, it's just like, that doesn't make any sense. So it's like corporate espionage, ego, I don't know. I feel it's got I, 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 I feel, I feel too. I feel like the majority has to be um, the board of directors of of Warner Brothers. A, a, the movie went out in December, meaning that they were able to get it out before, like on a specific fiscal year. Um, so I think timing had to be a factor. Uh, I also, I truly truly feel that the time limit of them saying not a minute over two hours um also greatly inhibited what could be shown because you have to have what can be explained and developed within that time frame and still make the whole movie make sense um but also to me the first movie was literally just avengers it was the first avengers movie again but worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but worse. But worse. Yeah. Not, not only was it worse, but it was also again. Meaning we are we we've we've had that. Um. A part of me can't help but assume that he was told, "Make us an Avengers movie. We want some of this Marvel money. Do mm-hmm. that. Hey, just just do that. You know, I I, I can't believe. I'd be shocked if no one told or hinted towards that at all and and another thing i, I want to point out uh to to build off of that is 
this is the same studio that made three Lord of the Rings movies, which the first one made almost 900 million. The second one almost made a billion and the third one made a billion. And these were over three hours long. Then they took the shortest book of the Lord of the Rings sort of anthology and made it three movies that were around three plus hours of runtime. And they thought you want to maximize money by having a shorter film, but you just made those movies. Then you made a Harry Potter franchise that was eight movies when it really only needed to be seven so you could make more money. And clearly people are going to go see a movie over two hours multiple times. Even the first Avengers movie is about two and a half hours long. So it's nonsensical to me to think that, yeah, we just want more uh, more screen time or less screen time so we can have more screenings when people are clearly going to go out to see these movies multiple times. And the, the biggest movie, if you want to talk about making a, a buttload of money and being really long, even though the plot sucks, Avatar. Think about how much money Avatar made. Yes, it's different because James Cameron pushes the boundaries of what is technologically possible for filmmaking. But $3 billion for a three-hour film that is essentially dances with wolves and Pocahontas with blue naked space aliens? Hey, don't you dare just hey. don't you What's dare worse? talk badly about the king of the movie world, okay? It is now over Avatar again. Do not talk bad about James Cameron. I will fight you. <laughs> I'm just saying. I, I still maintain that, like, when, when you look at, when he started working on Avatar and when Pocahontas was released, there, there can't. There, <laughs> there's, there's. That's more than a coincidence. It's got to be. Yeah, um, and and so 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 there's. A, I just don't understand that logic. Yes, you want to make more money with screens, but it's not like audiences will not go see long superhero films or really long films at all when they're epics. I just. I just don't get it, especially especially when you're fresh off of making three Hobbit films, which you at most needed two, at most. <laughs> but, but that's that's why that's why I go back to what I said about MTV. I, I think that's that's the problem. Is they're like this is Superman or Batman. No matter what we do, it'll be packed, regardless. So let's maximize the amount of uh, showings we can have to make more money that I, I, on, I, yeah, I go back to them, like assuming that regardless of the quality, people will see it just because. And that was the mistake they made with Batman versus Superman. And you can clearly see that people didn't take that well. And then when the ultimate edition came out, that was received a whole lot better, even though it only came out on DVD and, or Blu-ray. And so yeah. it's just like, why would you make the same mistake twice? That and Game of Thrones. They thought, oh, because everybody loves Game of Thrones, no matter what we throw on screen, everybody's going to love. But season eight disproved that fact. They literally said, (laughs) I I can't remember who, who, it was someone at Warner Bros., but they literally said, like, we're not going to do Batman versus Superman. Like, that's only what we would do if we completely ran out of ideas next year, Batman versus Superman. It was like, uh... And, and my whole in, in a slight detour on Batman versus Superman, people were like, "Well, Batman and versus Superman, Batman and Superman would never fight each other." I'm like, literally, in every iteration where they meet for the first time, they they are competing or fighting in some way, shape, or form. That's a su- like, I mean, that's a superhero team up trope in general, though, that they have to fight yeah. before they team up. It's like the right. heroes will fight in the beginning and then eventually will team up. And if there's a villain team up, they'll team up in the beginning and then double cross each other by the end. 
Right. So, uh, but Batman vs Superman, though, like they largely based a lot of that movie off of um, uh, the Dark Knight uh, Returns comic yeah. line. But you you can't like that was after them knowing each other for decades of time and Superman's value system sort of changing. You know, kind of like the exact opposite of what we see with Captain America, where Captain America is sticking to his morals despite the country. Not not sticking to those morals. Superman did the opposite and stuck to the country, and that's why they kind of had a separation. And it built up for years and years, and that's why they fought. They had a a reason that there was a catalyst. There was a, you know what I mean. And mm. this one, it was like Batman was manipulated. Batman in the he says if there's a one percent chance he'll turn on us, then we have to take it as an absolute certainty. You know, like Batman would never say that. That is not a Batman phrase. That doesn't even make sense. What like is he Lex Luthor or Batman? Oh, Lex Luthor is the Riddler. Okay, all right, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> Didn't weird. even need that line anyway. They could have just stuck with the whole Metropolis gets destroyed and Man of Steel as a perfectly good justification for why he doesn't like him. At the beginning, yeah, um, but okay. So pivoting back to Justice League, so l- let's talk about Dark Side. Uh, however briefly we got him, it was Sorry. amazing um, seeing him on screen, seeing him as Uxus or Uxus, however you do it, before he gets the Omega uh, sanction, um, and then we got to see him briefly, but not do anything through like boom tubes and through uh, FaceTiming with Steppenwolf. <laughs> and then we saw part of the nightmare scenario where he got to use his Omega beams against some Atlanteans. And, oh, that shot was beautiful. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, I, I love the I love the shot where they're staring. They're staring at dark side through the FaceTime. Yes. And it was just like they just stay on that shot. And like Wonder Woman looks like she's just like ready to go. And it's just like, Diana, hold on. OK, not yet, but. Not time for you to stab him in the eye yet. Um, oh, we didn't mention too the way they kill Steppenwolf in this one. I thought it was pretty cool, where Aquaman stabs him and then Wonder Woman chopped off his head. I was like, "Yep, yeah, good." You you remember the uh, uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure gif where you have the I can't remember the names of two characters like stomping out the one guy thinking he's an enemy and the third guy stops sipping wine to come stop him out. Yeah, I was like, that that's the end of here. That Superman, Wonder Woman, and Aquaman. Um, but yeah, it. so Dark Side. So a lot of the criticism I, I've been seeing on Dark Side is they're just like, well, you know, they're they're you know they're obviously the comparisons to Thanos versus Dark Side, and they're saying like, oh well, Thanos would obviously win. And I was just like, Dark Side is <laughs> Dark Dark Side is. So he's not going to lose that fight. But the other thing is they're saying like, you know, give Thanos, Thanos is, three gauntlets, he loses that fight still. <laughs> right. Thanos's introduction in. Um, you know, they're like, oh, Thanos' introduction was him giving hands to the Hulk. And I'm like, no, no, it wasn't. His his introduction was Guardians of the Galaxy, him sitting on a chair. I'm well, not counting the Avengers Hulk credits. One, scene in the Avengers uh, 1, you saw his face. I'm not, I'm not counting that because they totally changed everything after that. Because I actually like that version of uh, Thanos better than what we got afterwards. I just, I thought it was really cool. Um, but yeah, but it's just like, so his first introduction was him bossing people around him threatening people him getting told off talked talked down to or told off by ronin 
and then him just like, all right, you do what you want, and then he loses out on the Power Stone. That's our introduction to him. Now, all the comic book fans are just like, okay, we know what's coming. But the casual fans are just like, all right, he's just sitting in a chair. Who is this guy? It became a meme until, really, until but Infinity by comic War. book fans, are, are you referring to us expecting him to be in a helicopter that says Thanos on the yeah. side? Yes. And then yes. getting yes. arrested Thanos. by the yes. NYT. Yes. <laughs> and him <laughs> getting bodied by Squirrel Girl? Yes. Yep. <laughs> um, but I think it's just like, all right, so yeah, this is our introduction to him. But obviously, you can tell there is a difference between him in the beginning of the movie and him at the end. And then the other thing is, who does he lose to? Literal gods at the height of their powers. And people are just like, well, Ares lost to Wonder Woman. I was just like, Ares, so you have an apocalyptic invasion, a lot stronger than anything that's going on in World War One, And you think that's not going to soup up Ares, the god of war who feeds off of war? Yeah. And he's fighting Zeus and Artemis at the same time. I mean, you know. He killed that Green Lantern, though. Very easily. And tried, to, and tried to take the ring, and he was just like, okay, never mind. Yeah. So well, I, no, he got shot by an arrow from Artemis before he could grab the ring. That's what stopped right, him. Right, right, right. He was also could distracted you imagine that him point grabbing that and just plop? I did like the parallel of the, I guess, the old fight scene where he fights the old gods and, you know, the whole original alliance. And then there we now have this, I guess, beginning new alliance. They kind of mm-hmm. have a representative of each of the uh, uh, the old tribes, you know, Wonder Woman being uh, the Amazons and then Aquaman. And I guess Cyborg and Flash representing uh, the tribes of men, especially how, like, you know, man doesn't have superpowers or any kind of uh amazing um i guess innate abilities but they do have technology and that kind of leads to cyborg's powers i think yeah. they show a guardian really of the sky being and a guardian Superman. of the sky i i since i do want to bring up something the atlanteans use their technology and build a citadel for the mother box the amazons build a citadel for the mother box men <laughs> dig a hole dig a hole dig a hole and which one was the hardest one to find <laughs> exactly that's the thing the that hole was wasn't even find. deep though like <laughs> like it was fine. They, they dug a hole that was like two feet deep but the box is like a foot and a half tall it's the box like a, a stiff breeze will uncover that box <laughs> and that last least, one found and of course the Nazis found it. Of course. Of course. They find everything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's the whole famous, you know, trying to find artifacts of power and whatnot. Hitler's uh, a set obsession with it. Yeah. I mean, that uh, makes sense. But speaking of slight plot inconsistencies, I thought uh, the mother boxes, right? At the beginning of the movie, uh, they show Superman dying, and that's kind of what triggers the mother boxes broadcasting. Mm-hmm. Um, so why was the one that uh, Cyborg had innate? Why wasn't it broadcasting? I, I never uh, understood why it didn't just start resonating like the other two did. Uh, I, and I believe it was because it was it had already it been in use uh, because uh, Silas had used it to bring his son back 
and it was silent after that, but he forced it into use. They, they didn't quite explain the ramifications of it because they didn't quite understand it themselves, um, but that's at least what was told to us in the film. Yeah, I think it could have been all of them waking up and maybe Cyborg silencing his, um, but I think that was just a way to um, sort of like open up the pacing of the film a bit because if they are all awake then he doesn't have to search for him and it's just like boom to boom to boom to game over and at least this time it wasn't a change engine for some reason if you guys remember that in the Joss Whedon cut he didn't have it it was a change engine it was a whole different thing that yeah tangentially related yeah this is like they're change machines uh, what are they in the Whedon version? Mother. <laughs> so uh, I we've been going for almost two hours. Um, do we have any closing thoughts about the movie or anything we want to say before we uh, before we close out? God Respond bless Zack Snyder. Yeah, no, I think I feel like I don't know. I've seen Zack Snyder in interviews. I feel I don't know why I feel like he's a pretty chill guy. He told his uh. He told any uh like alt right fans of his to shove it on like a stream I saw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just like, I gotta hang out with Zack Snyder. I feel like he's a nice guy. I I got a buddy up in Washington who has actually gotten to know him like as as a he's like a big fan has met him and then like they've like. I don't know, they talked to each other back and forth during this whole process when he was just on Vero and all this stuff. And he seems like a super cool guy. And I, 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 I'm stoked for because there's a lot of creeps and weirdos out there in these seats of power that they really shouldn't be. So I, I'm happy about that. Um, I don't necessarily think this should still be our, our main DC universe going forward. Uh, just worry about making good singular movies that's all i care about um they don't all have to tie together that's okay if you want this to tie together you can you can give me a comic or something like that it's all good uh i i enjoyed it and uh yeah i just want more i I want more dc love because i love dc and i feel like we have not been getting it up to the standards that I fell in love with it with. So I want other people to fall in love with it the same way that I did. I, I do also want Henry Cavill to come back as Superman. Uh, I think we, we should get some Man of Steel sequels. I would love a Brainiac movie. Um, and, and Superman has such a um, uh, such a deep mythos and a wide universe of characters and themes and storylines to touch on that we really gotten out of Smallville, and that's pretty much it. Superman and Lois is a show. That's that's about that's the best you got right now. Yeah, yeah. But we'll we'll, we'll get to Superman and Lois on a future podcast a future once it breathes a little bit. Yeah. And the Flash. Dun dun dun. Yeah, that's the next podcast featuring oh. a special guest. But we'll get there. The Flash show, you mean? Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Some cool stuff there. Um yeah and then we'll eventually we'll probably do what Falcon and the Winter Soldier probably when it's done might as well it's only five more weeks I think yep Yep. Uh does Chris know about the special guest did you tell him I did tell him we have not told our listeners but I have told him okay 
Okay. Do we are we are we keeping it under wraps? I'm not I'm not sure. I mean, we can we can say it. I, I you know. All right, Chris, you can. You, this yeah, is your has this agreed. has been your side project, so you can mention this before we sign off. I'll, I'll let Robert do the honors, you know, since this was uh, his his um, doing. All right, so um, there is this new app called Clubhouse. It's a great app if you know how to use it. It's you know basically a live TED Talk that you you know you can do listen to people talk about different subjects, different passions, things like that. And I'm part of the filmmaking community on Clubhouse, and I've met a lot of people. Uh, one of those people is uh, Jess Carson. She is one of the writers on the TV show The Flash. Uh, we've been getting to know each other very well. She's a really cool person. Uh, she's a great writer, and she's currently writing on The Flash right now. She did – this is what, season eight of The Flash or season seven? seven. So she wrote season six, and she's writing on season seven now. She's been brought back for season eight as well. So uh, she's been writing the last few seasons of The Flash, and she's very excited to talk on the podcast. I'm so excited. No, that's 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 just awesome. So um, that's definitely something uh, our listeners will have to look forward to. But um, before we go, um, does anybody want to plug uh, Dark Chaco and plug your TikTok? And does anybody else want to plug anything they're working on or doing uh, before we sign off? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I'm, I'm Dark Traco on, on TikTok. Most of my stuff, it's like 90% Star Wars. Um, but I I am a multifaceted nerd, so I, I cover all of it. Um, I also do a lot or am, am ramping up on my YouTube channel. So uh, if you look, love Star Wars content, uh, it's going to be primary and recovering comics and, and all the um, both expanded universe as well as the canon universe. Um other than that, yeah, I'll be talking some Marvel, some DC, and I'll be fun for geeks of, of all ages, of all fandoms. Yeah, no, it's awesome. Yeah, so everybody, uh, everybody check it out. Uh, anybody else before we go? Uh, I'll plug my stuff next time since my stuff is not ready yet, but I'll plug it on the Flash Talk. I'll be there too, so. Okay. Um, but yeah. All right. Well, um, thank you, everyone, for listening. This has been another edition of the Two Black Too Nerdy Not uh, Two <laughs> Two Black Too Nerdy Podcast. Um, yeah. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll uh, you guys will hear from us later. Get excited for our next episode. Yeah. Thank you to all our guests for being here. Uh, thanks for having me. You having. You're welcome back anytime. I guess. Whoops. My bad. <laughs> I, I definitely have some plans for some future <laughs> podcasts and. Uh, Hashtag restore to Snyderverse. <laughs>